Grace and peace be with you from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I think I was a junior in Seward, Nebraska, and I had enrolled in an exegetical class. Now, for those of you that don't know, when you're in a Concordia or one of the, the association colleges and you have to take an exegetical class, they pretty much require it. It's a class that focuses on a singular group or books of the Bible, and the core of the class is a paper called an exegetical, ironically. That's just what it's called. It's not a small paper either, usually getting somewhere around 20 to 25 pages in length. It pretty much takes you the whole time to write this paper. You spend what seems like days in the library. You find a, a little table and you claim it as your own and you, and you live there. And then you get the paper and you do it. One of the first ones I took was on the Pauline letters. And my professor was the professor that also taught my Greek class. And he was a rather new professor at the time. And so, of course, I was going to impress him because I'm in college, and that's what I do. I'm going to impress my college professor, my, my Greek professor. And so why all these other peasants did their exegeticals in English, I was going to tackle the Greek text, and I was going to achieve far greater than the rest of them. If you can tell by the uh, title of the sermon... It didn't go so well. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't fail. He, he graciously gave me an 80% on my 25-page, multiple weeks in the library exegetical. His argument was to me later, whenever I got a chance to sit and talk to him, was if I was going to try something advanced, that gave him the right to grade in a way that was more advanced. And he did so in kind. He challenged me to my very core. He ripped apart my paper in a way that I was not expecting. And why everybody else walked out of that class with 95s and one kid even with a 98, I had an 80. An 80%. I had color-coded all the Greek text. I had, oh, I had it all worked out. I thought I was really something. But in the end, I learned quite a bit. You see, the text that I had was the epistle lesson that stands before you. Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14. Somewhere back in my, my file cabinet to this day, I have that exegetical. I have it. It's, it's almost like I have to have it. It serves as a reminder to me. A reminder that, that it's not okay to necessarily be arrogant, for one. And for two, it reminds me that there's always more to learn. Because you see, that was one of the big challenges that I had. I really thought that I was going to do better, but instead I did worse. And by doing that, my professor challenged me to do more, to do better. I had access, because of the fact that I knew the Greek, while some of the, most of the other students did not, I had access to more advanced commentaries. 
I advanced, I had more access to more materials than they did. And yet my paper did not reflect that. It did not reflect that I had access to all these other things. And so my professor called me on it. And instead, as we talked, he made a very positive point that I needed to go further and do more. I needed to be better. And it was a great lesson to learn. Have you ever been there? And I'm not talking about the exegetical. I mean, maybe some of you have gone to a Concordia and you know exactly what an exegetical is and you're following right along and you're going, Pastor, right on. Or maybe the rest of you have some other life experience. Maybe you decided that that YouTube video really did know everything only to find out they really didn't. Or maybe, just maybe, you can think in some of the backlogs of your mind where your mother or father told you to do something and you decided you knew better than them. And yes, I'm talking to you even if you're 105. Because we all remember that, don't we? We all have that moment where we thought we knew better. We were going to do better. Our parents were just some person that was older than us and they couldn't relate. But as it turns out, when you're putting a sink together, they know more than you. <laughs> but maybe you have that. Those experiences where, where you just had something that you just, you just, you knew you, you knew better. Only to find out you really, really didn't. You know, as we come to this Colossians passage, and it's a beautiful passage, and it's a beautiful book in, in all of Scripture, and we look through it and we read the words that Paul has for this group of Christians, this, this kind of early group of Christians. They'd kind of started to wander away a little bit. Now, we don't have a lot of, of information as to exactly what was going on. But it seems that they were getting, they were, they were putting Jesus or lumping Jesus with all these other gods or, or just some great prophet somehow, some way. They had lessened who Jesus was. And so Paul, as he comes to these early Christians, these young Christians, he reminds them that no, Jesus is not just some other God. He's not just some great prophet. But in fact, he is the God above all gods. He is the one who redeemed you. He is the one that gives you eternal life. You see, the Colossians had failed. Like so many of these early Christians, when they're finally learning about the faith, but there's so many voices that are gathered around them, and so many things that are saying all these other things that have nothing to do with Christianity or flat out go against Christianity. And some of them they began to bring into their church life they began to bring into the church. And so Paul sets forth to correct them. Now notice he doesn't call them names. He doesn't beat them down. But instead he corrects them. Like a gentle rebuke, he is reminding them that Christ is so much more than what they are simply saying. While at the same time, calling them to live better. 
to live a life grounded in Christ Jesus, where Christ is Lord. As we evaluate our own lives, as we're reminded of our own past failures, we can gain a lot of knowledge from this. Because you see, while we can talk about assembling a sink or even doing an exegetical paper at Concordia University in Seward, Nebraska and failing miserably, the truth is, is how many times have we not lived as good as we could as Christians? How many times have we neglected the very word of God? Maybe it was for just an instant. Maybe, maybe we just put something on top of it just briefly. Or maybe, maybe we have a habit that we need to get rid of. No matter what it happens to be, your past failures are your past failures. There are the moments whenever you have made mistakes, but we move on. Paul challenges us this morning. Put Christ at the center. Live your life. Live your life with Christ at the center. Now that's not meaning that you're going to be perfect. As Christians, we're not going to be perfect. We're going to fail. We're going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. But remember, remember the one who took you, yes, you, out of the dominion of darkness, as Paul says here, and transferred you to the kingdom of life. He did not leave you in your sin, but instead redeemed you, paid the price for your sin, and instead gives to you that which you could not get on your own, that which I could not get on my own. He gives to you eternal life. And all of it through Christ Jesus, our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. At this time, we're going to invite...